0: Hey everyone, this is Ryan Coppery. Before we kick off the show, we just wanted to say a quick but huge thanks to all of our new listeners. Uh, we've been growing kind of nonstop and that's really, really cool. So thank you all so much for listening. Uh, if you are enjoying the show, we'd love it if you could take 30 seconds and do us two big favors. First, if you could just hop over to iTunes, look up the What If Podcast and leave us a quick rating and review of the show. It helps us out more than you know. Uh, a ton of really awesome people have already been super kind on there so far. So if you could go do that for us, that would be great. And second, share the show with a friend. Uh, I know me and Spencer know our favorite podcasts are the ones we listen to and hit up our friends and say, yo, did you listen to the episode about spaghetti? That shit was crazy. So share the show with a friend if you think they'd like it. Hit us up on Twitter at what if pod. And remember, if you want to share episode ideas or your own wild experiences or you want to make fun of us, Send, of, send us an email uh, at hi at whatifpodcast.com dot and uh, we'll put you on the show. Uh, all right, let's kick things off. Welcome to the What If Podcast with your hosts Spencer Webb Davis and Ryan Copperood.
1: What up? <laughs> hi
0: Spencer. What's happening? What's up with you? Oh, just been thinking about aliens all day and <laughs> just another just another Tuesday. <laughs> yeah. Pretty standard just shit a, around here. Just a standard day in the life of Spencer uh-huh. and Ryan. Wondering about what if I saw a UFO? We're, we got a new question on the What If podcast, as yep. we do every week. What if you saw a UFO? Mm-hmm. Do you know how long I spent thinking about grammatically whether it should be N UFO as an A N U? It should be, but we're not going to do we that because it that. sounds stupid. Homie, don't play that. Yeah. What if you saw a UFO? Have you yes. ever seen a UFO? No. Never, not even. Did you have you ever even had a moment where you were like, "Is that a could it be a?" And then you were like, "Nah, unfortunately not." No, I, know, I, I would love to. I know. Unfortunately, is a hundred percent the word the mm-hmm. word I was going to use. We met some people who definitely have on Saturday. Oh man! All right, guys, <laughs> you are in for a treat because we had a treat <laughs> that we are <laughs> going to share with we you. We took a little "What If" podcast field trip. This this last weekend. Oh my God, Spencer, you're Miss Frizzle, you're Mister Frizzle. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the, <laughs> we took a ride right on, on
1: the magic Hyundai up to <laughs> out to the suburbs to attend our uh, <laughs> our local chapter of MUFON's monthly meeting. Minnesota oh, MUFON.
0: Uh, MUFON is is not a curse word nor a slur, even though it sounds like <laughs> it could be both. Uh, MUFON stands for the Mutual UFO Network, correct? Which I learned this weekend by attending one of their meetings. They're, you had never heard of it before? No, never. Which it's, I- it, They've been around for, I don't know how long, but... Well, I, judging by the age of the people in the room, they've been around
1: for a no, long time. They've been around for... I, I think they have been around for decades, though. Okay. Um, but yeah, the Mutual UFO Network, they maintain a database of... Uh, oh, yeah, founded in 1969. Wow. Damn. They... Maintain a database of UFO sightings on their website. They have, I think, chapters in every state. That's awesome. Um, Literally everyone? I'm pretty sure, yeah. Cool. They have people that will go out and actually investigate sightings. So if you see a UFO and you report it to them and they think it's legit or interesting, they will send someone out to investigate.
0: Yeah, this was interesting to me. They had like, um, well, keep going. We'll talk about the organization, and then we'll talk about what actually happened at this meeting. I mean, that's that's kind of the, the gist
1: of it. Yeah, the the crux of their work. Yeah, um, they have a I think a monthly publication. All the local chapters have meetings, uh, like the one that we attended. Mm-hmm. So yeah, we we went up to uh, for any of you Minnesotans, the New Brighton Community Center every second Saturday. If anyone would like to join us.
0: Yeah, we will it's we five dollars or or
1: three dollars <laughs> if you're broke and barter with the lady
0: sitting at the counter. Spencer sent me like a like a screen grab of the event information and I was like looked at the date and the time and didn't realize that it cost five dollars to go and I had no cash and we were in a community center in New Brighton, we which showed up with six dollars yeah, between the two of us. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And we were like, uh it was like three dollars for members and five dollars for non-members, and we're definitely not members not yet. Yet. Yeah. And we just held six ones out in two <laughs> hands and was like, is this enough money? Can this can this be money? We can't count. <laughs> um,
1: but yeah, it's, it's, we were the youngest people in the room probably by 20 to 30 years. There was a
0: kid there who obviously came with his Grandparent. uh, <laughs> grandparents um, who was like in and out of the room the whole time. And, yeah. Obviously, I was not psyched about there, but yeah, we were definitely the youngest people in there. There were probably like, 20 what 20
1: years, maybe 50, 60 people there. I
0: would say it was, at a, the pre- high it was a bigger point, group was, than I
1: expected. I agree. Seemed like most of them knew each other from previous months. Well, yeah, that was we the missed thing. the social hour. They don't, they didn't put that on the, the website. That's real. They That's had snacks real. and coffee from one to two, and we didn't know. We also
0: missed the after party.
1: Which, yeah, I don't know why you didn't want to go to dude's house where he
0: promised that we would see UFOs afterwards. So what had happened was <laughs> we watched a, a documentary, which we should. We'll, we'll talk a little bit about this documentary too. We should talk about yeah, it st- after the meeting.
1: Stephen Greer's Unacknowledged, um, who also did
0: uh, Disclosure was his
1: first and documentary. Sirius, where they found the little oh, right. tiny. He he runs a Disclosure project. Yes, Sirius was the other S I R I U S. Was the other documentary that's they right, did maybe right. two years ago about the little tiny alien body that they found? And anyway, we can get into Stephen Girl later.
0: Yeah, we'll talk a little bit about that. But they so they have a little meeting. They like introduce all their people, their their field reporters. So like yep. the people that actually go out into like Minnesota and Wisconsin and investigate actual cases. They all. Stand up and wave and go like, Yep, that's me. Yeah. They argued uh, about membership dues for a while. Sure did. Mm-hmm. Which which definitely makes sense to me. There's probably a lot of fixed incomes in that room, just judging by that age. So that if people would make were like yeah. Wait, what? They're going up by how many dollars? Or when you joined in the sixties, it was like a nickel a month. <laughs> it would it did not cost fifteen dollars a month to get a publication sent to your house when mm-hmm. you were uh when you were thirty years old in the seventies. Um but yeah, so they so they did some meeting minutes and argued about some dues. They showed a documentary, uh, and then they had we took a break. We took a break. Got to have a bathroom break. Bathroom break. Spencer and I walked around the new Brighton uh, upstairs track in the it's community a beautiful center. community center. By the way, beautiful community Shout center. Shout out to New Brighton. Again, if you're if you're a Minnesotan and you want to see a beautiful community center in our state and also join uh, us the second Saturday in July and we'll go to the next move on meeting. We're gonna go hang out. They got a new uh, I can't remember the name of the speaker, but they're bringing in some writer and speaker next month as well.
1: Uh, Erica Lucas, who I haven't had time to look up yet. Okay, cool. I took some pretty thorough notes during the meeting though. Yeah. Um, but yeah, after that we got to the real the real meat of the entire meeting. We met Big Mike, bro.
0: Yeah. Yeah, we did. We met Big Mike. In a very incredible way. I'm fairly certain the bullet point on the meeting minutes at the beginning was Big Mike and his excellent adventures.
1: Which instantly when I saw the the outline, I was like, that's going to be, that's what I'm here (laughs) for. We can skip the documentary. We can skip everything else. That it, is what I came here for.
0: It was like, a, if if this went real south, we totally would have walked out of this community center, except that we saw this bullet point that said Big Mike and his excellent mm-hmm. adventures, and we're like, yeah, we're going to have to see where that goes. So,
1: Mike told us a story of his most recent encounter with UFOs. Well, Mike told us, for what it's worth, a few stories. <laughs> right. I I've, I'm... I'm going to just go through my notes, because I took I, notes on his whole story. I think that's And I was cool. writing as fast as I possibly could to try and keep up with all of the wild shit that can, he was he was sharing with us. Can
0: I paint a picture of Big Mike really quick please, for people? Please. So, uh, Mike is a heavyset older gentleman wearing suspenders over like a Carhartt t-shirt tucked into his jeans. I believe it was a MUFON shirt, was it not? Oh, you're right. It was. It was a, it was a MUFON
1: polo shirt, because, and he had his MUFON hat, too. Because Mike is actually the lead field investigator That's for right. Minnesota. That's right. So if you file a UFO sighting with MUFON and you
0: live in Minnesota, Mike's going to be the one coming to check it out. And Mike was like... Um, "He, I think he's originally from Tennessee, because he mentioned just getting back from Tennessee, so I don't know if he may be... Snowbirds in Tennessee and lives here in the summers or something like yeah, that. He's got a definitely got an accent little, going, little little Tennessee twang to mm-hmm. his voice. Mm-hmm. Um, and just like kind of like a very sweet, urgent, uh, energetic guy. Like he seemed genuinely nervous to tell the story. Too, oh, though. he was like physically shaking, yeah. for like a significant portion of it. Yeah, but I think, well, we can get into more about comparisons later, but I just enjoyed his general demeanor. Actually, Spencer and I talked about this. We're going to see if we can either get him on the show or if we can interview him maybe there at like next month's meeting.
1: Yeah. I would, I would love to be able to, <sighs> to hear him tell this story in full Yeah, and to be able to actually ask some questions about it. Cause totally. there were so many parts of the story where I was like, wait, but, but yeah. Uh, and he uh, just kept mm-hmm. flying.
0: Cause he was like, and then this happened and then this. Happened. Yeah.
1: And it, it's a combination of, multiple stories. And yeah, I would love to just be able to sit down with the dude yeah. and be like step by step. Okay. Totally.
0: What happened? And right when, and we'll tell an abbreviated version in hopes that we can get a, a less abbreviated version straight from the horse's mouth at some point. But, um, but yeah, so this, uh, so Spencer's got good notes gonna, on big Mike and his excellent adventure. Yeah. I'm going to do my best to, to
1: summarize here. Um, he started out by telling, so he started telling one story and then kind of switched jumps. Um, he was telling one story about this was uh fall of 2015. They were a bunch of people in the room were at a Mufon conference together in Vegas. Yeah, it was like
0: the national convention they have yeah. every year, which we also considered. It's coming buying, up in July. tickets for and going to. You um, guys, we could get you very good audio I think if we
1: <laughs> if we did it. So he was in his hotel room in Vegas and I guess he he had a uh like a ruptured Achilles tendon. He said it had like separated, separated from the bone. Achilles tendon. Yeah. So he was, he was like laid up, couldn't walk, I guess. And, uh, he's laying in bed and three
0: gray aliens entered his hotel room. He, which he said he didn't notice over the sound of his snoring roommate and the CPAP machine that he had on his, on his face for his, uh, uh, for his snoring. So he said he didn't notice the sound of them entering his room mm-hmm. because of those sounds. And then he woke up to see them in his room, in his hotel room in Vegas. And he
1: said that they, so it was him and another guy sharing a room. They took his his roommate out of the room, out to like the little uh, like patio, whatever. Deck. Yeah. Balcony. You know, you got the balcony yeah. thing. Yeah. You guys know what I mean. Um, and then came back in and gave him a shot in his ankle that fixed his separated tendon.
0: He said that he had literally scheduled surgery in the Twin Cities like for like what? He well, said like a month he later or yeah. something and, like that and that he went into his doctor upon returning and they were like "Yeah, hey, you don't need surgery anymore. And okay so they
1: miraculously healed this man's Separated tendon. He said he took pictures of the alien fingerprints on oh, his leg. Right. And he said that seven people on at this conference were abducted that night. And that they recall seeing each other aboard this alien spaceship. All of those people were in that room. He gets that far <laughs> in the story and then just... Totally changes lanes. Spencer didn't. I had so many (laughs) questions
0: for this dude. Yeah, you're like, we could spend a day and a half on this story. Yeah. that Spencer didn't hear it because I was like (laughs) sitting to the left of Spencer, but there is a dude that was like four rows up from me sitting next to another gentleman who, because of his older age, had not the best hearing. So throughout the course of the meeting and the documentary that we watched, his friend was leaning over occasionally to fill in his other friend on what he was in fact missing throughout the course of the meeting. And as Mike proceeds to say that seven other people were also abducted that evening were in that room, my guy four rows up just leans over to his hard of hearing buddy and just goes, I was there (laughs) like in his ear, like hard. (laughs) I was there. Like, Stop! I need to
1: know way more about this. You can't just say I was there when the dude says we were abducted by aliens.
0: Get that man a mic! like. Right?
1: Can we all have microphones in this and, room? And, so that- and also, how have you not told your friend this until right now? <laughs> how long have you guys known each other? This was three, almost three years ago. How great would it have been if his friend had just
0: stood up and gone What in the fuck? <laughs> and Dave, what in the fuck are you talking and about? And that's the other
1: thing. His friend is just like Oh yeah. Okay. Cool. But shut up though. I'm listening to Mike. <laughs> he's like, okay. Okay. We'll talk about that over beers.
0: I got to hear Big Mike right now.
1: So he says that seven people in this in the room that we were in, like fifteen percent of the current people in that room, were abducted together. Oh my god. It's so and then cool. just moves on to a totally different story. So awesome. Uh, and the totally different story he told was about a year later. So he said November tenth of twenty sixteen. He's out.
0: Uh, in Wisconsin, and he's bow hunting. He said he owns like a piece of land with a trailer on it out there, but he lives in Minnesota.
1: Yeah. So he was uh, he was hunting, and at about 5 o'clock decided to head back to his trailer, and he sees this glowing white object uh, come down from the sky, and he, he guessed it was about uh, a half a mile to three-quarters of a mile away and about 500 feet up. And it stopped over a house um, about a half mile away. And at first he thought it was a helicopter, like a DNR helicopter. And then as it started moving towards him, he realized that it wasn't. That, but he wasn't sure what it was. He just saw this like bright glowing light. Right. And he decides, for whatever reason, to flash his flashlight on and off at it. So he's got a flashlight with him. It's starting to get dark out. He points the flashlight up at this thing and like clicks it on and off three times.
0: Which, like good on you, Mike, because I don't know that if I was seeing the first UFO I'd ever seen in my life, if I had to have the gall to be like, hey, man,
1: come on over. Well, he also said that he has been encountering UFOs and aliens since he was a kid. That's true. He did. That's So it wasn't his first one. And he works for MUFON. So maybe he, I mean, he obviously knows some things that we don't. Real maybe talk. that's a specific strategy. I don't real, know. Real talk. Uh, but it it apparently worked because he said there was a like this curved front edge of this object that lit up with twelve white lights around the edge, and then above it there
0: was one sort of reddish orangish light. And then like a cockpit yellow light or something like that. Yeah, he, called he said it.
1: it looked like a, like a cockpit or a control room above it. So as this thing is getting closer to him, he's starting to be able to make out more details of it.
0: Bro, he I remember he for a second there he was like. It's like a frowny face. Yeah, and I was like, "You're the sweetest man." I'm so yeah, like this
1: curved edge of of lights that he said made sort of like a, a frown. He
0: called it a frowny face. was <laughs> So cute.
1: And he was saying as he moved his flashlight from side to side or up or down, the UFO would mimic the motion that he right, was making right. with his flashlight. And he said he did this for forty five minutes. Oh, just
0: moving his flashlight back and forth and the UFO moving back and forth with it. He says later, which I'm sure you'll get to, and maybe we're skipping ahead, but like he said at one point that he had 30 seconds of video. Well, hold on. Yeah. That's, that's later in the story. Okay. Cause he said the story happened over the course of
1: eight days. Yeah. It was like a whole week long. of Yeah. And I was, I I may have missed some stuff too in my notes, but I was trying to keep up with him. Um, and he was on the phone with another guy who was also at this meeting. So he sees this thing, he calls his buddy, and then is like messing around with it with the flashlight. Right. And uh, he said then a second UFO appeared that looked the same. Mm-hmm. And he turned and did the same thing with his flashlight, clicked it on and off three times. And it responded the same way. And it started responding the same way. And he said, I started playing with it. <laughs> just trying to see like what they, what it or That's they or whatever so would do. And... He said, "Yeah, he took so the the guy he was talking to on the phone had to like get on a flight or something." And he said, "So then he took 30 seconds of video." And again, I'm like, "Show us the video, Mike." Mike,
0: Mike good story. I love you, bud.
1: You have. But your, I would really like <laughs> to see that video. You have a phone in your hand that yeah. we're assuming has the video on it, and there's a projector next to you. I think we can figure out a we way to make, make this, this happen. work. Yeah. Um, and he said. He interacted with them for two hours with these two UFOs. So wild. And then he decided just to come inside and get something to eat. Which he's been interacting with these things for two hours. They're still out there. And he's like, yeah, I'm over it. I'm hungry. I'm hungry. Which is, it sounds super weird, but also is not totally out of character relative to other UFO stories and encounters that I've heard people will just like go home or get back in their car or just walk away from whatever happened without being able to explain it. And then looking back at
0: later being like, that was really weird and not something I would ever normally do. Yeah. One of the stories I, I, uh, I saw when I was researching this episode, um, a guy has like, like a kind of a, almost a fuzzy ish memory of like why he was doing what he was doing when Mm -hmm. he was doing what he was doing. Uh, like, like, said he took photos he doesn't remember taking and said he, like, called his night when he was like, wait, what the fuck? Like, that was crazy. That was happening to me at that time. But it just, it made sense to him to be like, all right, I'm done with this now.
1: Yeah, well, and a lot of people will say, you know, I just felt compelled to go outside and look in a certain direction. Yeah, Or yeah. I just knew that I had to go do whatever. And they don't right. have an explanation for it. It might be out of character, but they just, for whatever reason, were compelled to do it. For sure. So he goes back inside And then later, kind of thinks back on, like, oh, that was really weird that that happened. And then I just kind of ignored it. Maybe I should go back out there and see what's going on. Yeah. And he said it was check
0: on the UFOs quick.
1: Yeah. He said it was now about 11 o'clock. So we're, this whole thing is unfolding over almost six hours.
0: Goddamn. Yeah.
1: He goes back outside. And he said there's now a third UFO oh, with right. different colored I forgot lights. forgot about that? And he said he got the sense so there were there were two there were now three UFOs outside. Two of them are still near his trailer. And he said the third one was further down the road. Right. And he got the the idea somehow that the two initial UFOs he saw were trying to distract him from the third one. Yeah, that's right. He said they were like moving around a lot and flashing lights, and he got the sense somehow that it was to distract from whatever this third UFO was doing. Um, And he decided to f- instead start flashing his flashlight at this third one now. Yeah, hour. yeah. And then the third one started coming towards him. And he said that at that point, for whatever reason, he
0: started getting really freaked out. I guess I guess it'd be one thing if you were felt like you were doing like a little bit of a dance. Like, I go here, you go there. I go here, you go there. But then if you're like, I go here, they're like, I'm coming towards you. You're like, <laughs> oh, wait. Oh, God, it's different now. It's very different. I bum-rush
1: your trailer. <laughs> um, and at that point, he went inside, locked the door, and he said he just started praying and went to bed. And he doesn't remember yeah. anything, anything else happening
0: that night. Per St. Michael, y'all.
1: Yeah. Um, The next night he's out during the day and sees another UFO and it starts following him as he's driving in his truck. And, um, he drove home and like parked his, parked his truck, went inside, talked to his wife for a minute and looked out the window and saw this thing outside of his house. Right. And said to his wife, Hey, come look at this thing. And he said it changed its configure. Actually, he said it change, he changed his configuration, meaning the UFO he was referring to as he. Yeah, yeah. So that he looked like a star. Which makes me think, like, were you just seeing a star? Right. But he also said that this was during the day. Right. Um, and he said his wife, quote, for some reason she wanted to see a star. When she looked at it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he did phrase it kind of interestingly. As if I, I got the sense that he was, um, we can get into this more later, but people will often talk about like screen memories. So they'll see something that is like presented as something else. Mm. So a lot of people, when they w- will later recall, like, oh, yeah, I saw an alien. But for some reason, I thought it was an owl. Mm. And then when I got closer, I realized it was not. It's, or like, when it's, you it's like a
0: dream and you're like, exactly. you were there, Spencer. I mean, you were a red Solo cup, but it was definitely you. Right, like, your right. brain thinks it's something, or yeah. your brain can intuit that it's something, but it physically doesn't appear to be that thing. And so that's kind of what I felt like he was getting at, is that she saw it differently than he did. Yeah. Um, just because of how her brain was processing it. But didn't he say too, that the next morning she like apologized and was like, I'm sorry. Yeah. Like I felt like I couldn't see what not couldn't like as in I couldn't see it, but couldn't as in like, like almost like she it. was like distancing herself from the reality of the yeah, situation. So
1: she said to him the next morning, I was really freaked out and just didn't want to deal with what I was seeing. Yeah. I'm sorry. Shut the dough. Yeah. Shut the dough. <laughs> and just kind of shut down. Um but that could also tie in with like the next morning thinking back on it being like, "Wait, did I see that thing?" Yeah, no, I didn't see a star. It was daytime and it didn't look like a star right. and that wouldn't make any sense and right. why would Mike be pointing out a star to me? Right. Um so yeah, she came around to I guess seeing whatever he saw. Right. And then the next day And there Mike was running out of time. Yeah. Because someone else needed room two forty four at the damn community (laughs) center. We cut Mike's story off early. Right Right. when he was getting to by far the juiciest part of his story. Ten to five. Ten to five. Gotta go.
0: Yeah, so at 4.50, they cut Mike's mic. For what Before Spencer says this, part of the reason that he is upset that we did not go to the after party is because the after party was drinking Coors Light on Big Mike's deck. Where he guaranteed we, <laughs> that we would see a UFO because he sees them, quote, almost every night. He did say almost every night. That's true. We should have gone. This man right.
1: offered us free beer and free UFOs, and for some reason you didn't want to go.
0: Oh, I would have brought beer. I would have brought all the beer. All okay. right, we'll go next month. So the, the
1: last part of his story, he was back out deer hunting and he sees. Same week though, right? Like this I part think of it the was same the, stretch. I think it was like the next day. Okay. He didn't say a date, but yeah, within the, within the same week, um, he sees this UFO again, except this
0: time it comes down and lands in, in the field. He said like a hundred yards away or something mm-hmm. like that. Like. Like on the other side of the trees, but far like close, but far enough away, he saw it come below the tree line, yeah,
1: and he got down out of his out of his deer stand and he sees four approximately three foot tall gray aliens walking across the field towards him, and a fourth four foot tall gray alien that he described as the other one's mentor,
0: yeah, three yeah, three, three feet tall, and one four foot tall. Mentor the, alien the mentor of the rest of them. He said they were holding little, like he, he called them. He called like them like light st- rods, light, or sticks light sticks or something. It sounded yeah. like a flashlight
1: basically. Yeah. But,
0: uh, but more, maybe more like a, like a full glow stick or something like that is what I was kind of envisioning the way that he said it.
1: He just saw a bunch of kids having a rave out in raving, the field. <laughs> raving children. <laughs> midget, he walked in on the midget rave. Oh. oh my God.
0: In the middle of Northern Wisconsin. Um, he said he hit him with the flashlight, right, and they dispersed. Yeah, but he then also said,
1: so he was he carries a recorder with him.
0: Yeah, and he was, was recording
1: weird. audio of this. Not weird, but crazy of this interaction. And he said, when he listened back to the audio, that the timing of the audio versus what he recalled didn't line up. Yeah, and I think he was implying that. There was more time elapsed on the audio recording than what he remembers. And as he's getting to the part where he gets abducted by these four little aliens, we got to, we got to evacuate the conference room because there's probably like a chess (laughs) club or something coming in. Yeah, man. This man is breaking down how extraterrestrial life is here on our planet and they're intelligent and he knows all about it and he's been with them and we got a break for this month.
0: Time for the birthday party. Everybody leave. Yeah. So
1: I would love to have another conversation with Mike. I would too. I think or we're going to try a conversation with Mike. I would love to see those photos. I would love to see that
0: video. I would really like to get a hold of that audio that he apparently has. I'd love to go hang out on his deck and yeah. he said he has infrared goggles that he or not infrared night but night vision goggles that he uses yeah. to look up.
1: Yeah. So we're gonna try and track him down, and see if he'd like to talk to us.
0: But otherwise, if you want to go to a move on meeting,
1: you Dude, know where to I, find us. I'm gonna go next month. What's what's a better way to spend a Saturday afternoon and five dollars? Uh, I can't think of one.
0: I can't think of one either. Especially where did uh, everybody went out to like a local restaurant in New Brighton for yeah. for dinner and drinks together? There, there was, was like, this
1: really like yo.
0: really beautiful social aspect of it too. Like they were totally. spending the whole day together. Totally. People are like there to talk about their experiences and their curiosities. And yeah, I found this crazy video online. Like, yeah, it was super, super great. Move on, man. It was a trip. Uh, Greer's movie is whatever. Yeah, I wouldn't
1: worry about it. <clears throat> Stephen Greer does a really, he's collected so much great information and then just does a horrible job of presenting it and makes the entire thing about himself. Yeah. And it's really hard to like, he claims to have all this information and then all all that's presented in the in the movie is a few people with a lot of dubious backgrounds with just saying like, No, I know this without any proof or any
0: Yeah, evidence. And, it, and much more so in like the second and third acts of the movie, like the first act of the movie is the stuff that I actually like, which is like military pilots being like yeah this one time on radar this happened and it was really crazy and everybody told us to not talk about
1: it even those stories though a lot of them are second and third hand he only had maybe one or two people in the
0: whole movie that had first-hand experiences they were willing to talk about fair but but i think more so the second and third acts are like them drawing these ridiculous conclusions it got totally out of hand towards the end. totally out of hand like the first act i was like all right i'll give this dude a chance for another 45 minutes and like 15 minutes into 45 minutes, I was like, fuck this. (laughs) I've made the wrong choice. This dude is just on one, and like, yeah. Yeah. Uh, You can watch it if you want to, unacknowledged, like, I guess, check it out. There's a couple cool pieces of footage and a couple cool interviews, but for the most part it's like super over dramatic and there's some really like random awful cuts in there for no reason of like so many. The opening the whole opening credit it's sequence just, is set to What a Wonderful World and yeah, it's, it's like just horrible really, violent it's imagery just a for a really no reason. hacky
1: film it's, in terms of filmmaking too. Yeah. Um I think Greer is just sort of generally like a I, I don't know. I don't trust that dude. I think he's doing most of what he's doing to call attention to himself right you know they're like he he made the whole thing about himself and how many people he knows and how important he is and who he got asked to give updates to i talked to the former cia director look at me check out this gun i carry on my hip yeah
0: Yeah. yeah. cut to my close-up i'm gonna pretend to cry about this next part like (laughs) i don't know I, i think i said this to you in the car driving home but to be at a meeting like that of people who are like I mean, I would say they would probably call themselves like UFO enthusiasts—people who have seen them or are yeah. interested in them, etc. Or actively research them. <laughs> actively research them. Go, go, hear other people's stories about them. And I'm, and I'm, and I'm faced with Greer telling his stories and Big Mike telling his stories. Yeah, and now there like, was way better information from the people in that room. I, I, I bet. I bet so much more money on big Mike telling his own personal truth. Absolutely. It just came across so much more like urgent and authentic and honest. And, uh, yeah, it was, yeah. Yeah. And I'm sure there were 20 more of those
1: stories in that room Hell or, yeah. you know, other experiences or At least I'm, I'm sure a lot of those people have seen really good evidence too. Like you don't go research these things around the country without finding something. Right. Right. I don't know. I, w- I would have much rather heard what, the people in that room had to say then watch Greer's fucking hacky movie. I was there. <laughs> I was there. Well, let's talk to right. that guy. Exactly. I would have rather heard that guy for an hour.
0: Um, all right, this is the what if podcast. Uh, what if you saw a UFO? We heard from some people who did. We're gonna take a quick break. We're gonna talk about uh we're gonna talk about a whole bunch of people who did see a UFO. Uh, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. This, a, could, this could be a long one. Yeah, yeah. We're going to let it probably get a little out of hand. Why not? And yeah. um, Buckle up. Buckle up. Uh, take a take a pee break. We'll do the same, and we'll meet you back here shortly on the What If Podcast. We want to hear from you. Send us a message. Email hi, that's H-I, at whatifpodcast.com. We got visitors. We have visitors. No, we don't. It's just the two of us. I lied. I God, it would be so much creepier if we did have visitors. (laughs) We might. Um, Spencer, when people say, Do you believe in UFOs? Yeah. Do do you do you do you make a little chuckle? You're like, yes, I believe in UFOs because Well,
1: they're not. I don't know what anyone means when they ask that question. I think usually people mean do you think that aliens are here on Earth, flying around in
0: spaceships, right? Because because by definition, a UFO. I feel like we still make this confusion in society all the time. Like a UFO is an unidentified flying object. It means that right. based on the information we have at the time and the place, we don't actually know what that thing in the sky is or was. And Which that can obviously be, happens all the time, for sure. And sometimes it's a lot more conspicuous and confusing than others. Um, but yes, I believe in UFOs because there are unidentified things in the sky regularly. Do I believe that they're from outer space and extraterrestrial origin? I don't know. Okay. This might be helpful. Let's do it. J. Allen Hynek,
1: um, was a UFO researcher and astronomer. Um, and in 1972 wrote a book called the UFO experience, a scientific inquiry. And he's responsible for the, um, well, it's called the Hynek scale. But they're types of close encounters. So, for instance, Close Encounters of the Third Kind, the movie, is based on this scale. Have you seen it? Yeah. I haven't. Are you serious? (laughs) Oh, shit. That is a phenomenal movie. I have not seen it. It's a great, great movie. Okay. Um, So, there are three to four to seven degrees of UFO or alien encounter.
0: It's levels to this shit.
1: See, um, <clears throat> the first is visual sightings of an unidentified flying object, seemingly less than 500 feet away. Oh, so is involved. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, people have, so he, he put out three types. People have extended the scale in both directions So people have below that, what he called the first level, have also added uh, lights in the sky, so just unidentified lights, and um, unidentified uh, radar objects uh, would be below that scale. Sure. Like things you can't physically see, but that tools are telling you are present. Or that you can see, but you can't see any sort of definition of it. Right. Um, You see a light in the sky, you don't know what it is. Right. That, if doesn't, if that doesn't mean that it's not or... a normal terrestrial object, but right now you don't know. Sure. So that's the first kind. Unidentified flying object that appears to be less than 500 feet away. Uh, the second is a UFO event in which a physical effect is alleged to have happened. So this could be something like interfering with uh, an electrical device. So you hear the reports of my car stopped working cameras died, or my camera died or yeah, really? on the extreme end, it turned off this nuclear bomb that we were or missile that we were going to launch. That was a weird one. There, there are a lot of those really. Mm-hmm. Um, it also would apply to psych, uh, sorry, physiological effects such as paralysis, um, or just leaving any sort of physical trace, like an impression in the ground. Okay. Um, scorched vegetation, uh, some sort of chemical trace. Mike's
0: fingerprints on his leg. Yes. But oh, he got touched though. Right. Oh, so shit. the third type of
1: close encounter, a close encounter of the third kind, is a UFO counter in which an animated creature is present. Yo. Oh. So that's that includes. Humanoids, robots, or humans who appear to be occupants or pilots of a UFO.
0: Oh, snap. Okay.
1: So that would be seeing an animated thing. Yeah. A living thing in addition to the UFO. Yep. So he had those three types. Um, You often hear about the fourth kind, which refers specifically to abduction. So Mike actually had a close encounter of the fourth kind because he was taken somewhere else by the occupants of the UFO.
0: Mike's got a full house.
1: Yeah. One of each. Um, So those are like the, the four most common ones. People have added fifth, sixth, and seventh, which involves direct communication between aliens. Oh, sure. Um, Which was uh, actually named by Stephen Greer. Um, Which can involve uh, any sort of communication, so speaking, telepathic, whatever. Um, Sixth kind would be death of a human or animal associated with a UFO sighting. Yeah. Um, But it says although some might consider this as a more extreme example of a second kind encounter. So, for instance, if you see a UFO and then you go out in the field and there's a mutilated cow out there, that would be like is that a physical... physical trace of that UFO? Sure. Or is it it killed something? And then seventh, and we're not going to get into this today, I don't think, unless you want to, because this is really, really out there. X-Files shit is the creation of a human-alien hybrid, either by (laughs) sexual reproduction or artificial means.
0: Yeah, I mean, we can like, feel like we have plenty in one through six. Uh, (laughs) Could be a distant part two option. Yeah. Okay. So I think we're going
1: to hit some version of all of those first four. So anywhere from seeing something in the sky to being taken aboard that thing in the sky by a living creature of some kind.
0: Oh, damn.
1: Uh huh. Um, the more like modern UFO era kind of started in the forties, but I was trying to trace back the earliest documented what could be considered UFO sightings. Yeah. And got all the way back to like BC
0: era. Well, I remember I remember for uh for a period of time there there was people who were trying to draw comparisons in some like um like romantic art from mm-hmm. like a long time ago and also like uh some of the biblical stories even that have things about like fiery chariots from the sky yeah. and sort of it, taking some of that language and, it gets
1: really tricky though because. Those things have all been translated multiple times, right? What, a, a chariot in the sky. A, what what was that originally translated from? B, is that meant literally? Because religious texts are not necessarily literal. No, and for in sure. fact, they're often intentionally not literal. Right. Uh, I don't know. I mean, it, it's no, really for sure. that, that stuff is just purely speculation, and a lot of the really early stuff is because any re- record we have, we don't know the cultural context we're we don't a hundred percent know the language right um but yeah there there's written records going as far back as 1400 bc Mm. in egypt of fiery discs that were encountered floating over the skies damn um and then really all through uh 8th century 9th century and then obviously it picks up in the 18 and 1900s because we just have a better record of that stuff sure
0: um Plus, I would imagine like the popularization of things like telescopes and
1: yeah. Although I mean, most of these encounters don't require any sort yeah, of special technology of any it's just kind shit that
0: people saw. Yeah, you're right.
1: Mm-hmm. Um, but the whole like UFO flying saucer thing really started in the '40s um, with the Kenneth Arnold sighting in 1947.
0: What year was Roswell again?
1: Roswell was also 47. Okay. So the Kenneth Arnold sighting was a couple months prior to Roswell. Oh, interesting. Or maybe maybe a month prior.
0: But definitely was not inspired by the Roswell crash.
1: Nope, nope. So Kenneth Arnold was a, a pilot who <laughs> saw nine UFOs flying past Mount Rainier um, at a speed that he estimated to be at minimum 1,200 miles an hour. So... Any planes uh, now? I'm assuming that's impossible. Much it's less in the 40s. So yeah, still impossible. Um, and it actually, so he he reported this, and it actually got picked up in the press and got picked up by national press. And this is the story that coined the term flying saucer. Ah, so prior to this news report in 47, that term had not been used to refer to ufos or any weird shit in the skies i don't know because that's how he described them to the reporter that wrote the initial story was that they looked like flying saucers yeah um so that kind of popularized it in american culture
0: i think part of the kenneth arnold case too that also maybe helped to popularize the concept as well was that uh i got a quote from the article that i was reading that said uh arnold had the makings of a reliable witness he was a respected businessman and an experienced pilot, and seemed to be neither exaggerating what he had seen nor adding sensational details to his report. He also gave the impression of being a careful observer. These details impressed the newspaper men who interviewed him and lent credibility to his report. So I think there's something to be said for, like, <laughs> you know, if if Dave the drunk down the street's like, like, some lights in the sky. And everyone's like, yeah, okay, Dave the drunk down the street. But like, a sober businessman well respected detailed a report a pilot like puts all these things together and is just like look i'm just telling you what happened yesterday like it was broad daylight wasn't it i think it was the flight was during the day yeah, yeah. um there's like a part part of me just wonders if there was enough things that came together to make him like a very reliable version of like you know what maybe this is uh more normal or common than we more are. yeah more believable yeah
1: Um, it was also corroborated by some other people on the ground who claimed to have seen the same or similar objects at the same time I didn't know that that's pretty cool yeah although that's hard to know for sure too if that's you know was that reported independently or prior to this becoming a a big news story or were other people like yeah I seen them they were up there right
0: right I see what you're saying I don't know
1: um So that was kind of the first big pop culture reference to UFOs and flying saucers. Um, Although there was also, I mean, throughout World War II, there were what were called the Foo Fighters. There were many reports of pilots during the war um, seeing planes, well, not planes, flying objects that they couldn't identify. Mm. Um, And things that would, you know, either be moving way too fast or erratically or would appear and disappear without explanation damn um, so yeah if you want to search i guess if you just search foo fighters you'd probably get mostly the band but foo fighters not the band <laughs> yes actually <laughs> if you search foo fighters ufo or foo fighters world war 2 you'd probably get what you're looking for
0: i'm going to see what foo fighters not the band actually turns up
1: um and then there was also the 1942 what's called the Battle of Los Angeles we're just making all the references to 90s rock bands Whoa. right now rage against machine called their their album Battle of Los Angeles uh-huh um there's a february of 42 over LA there was an unidentified object that uh <laughs> was then attacked by anti-aircraft artillery oh good uh-huh and uh Basically, there was a UFO and the army tried to shoot it down and spent a lot of rounds in artillery doing so. Uh, A total blackout of L.A. was ordered. What? And they started firing machine guns and anti-aircraft shells into the air. Over 1,400 shells were fired. Is this a real thing? This really happened? You've never heard about this? What? Yeah, Google Battle of Los Angeles, dude. It's fucking crazy. Several buildings and vehicles were damaged, and five people died. Because they were trying
0: to blow a UFO out of the sky? What year was this? 42. Did we think we were like getting attacked or something like that? Yeah. Damn, son. This
1: would have been right after the end of the war, right? Um, February of 40. Oh, I mean, sorry, right after the start of the war. Yeah. So, I mean, Pearl Harbor it happened just before it. you're on the west coast, right i am sure they thought it was war related, but they were not able to shoot it down, and no one knows if you if if you find the photo, there's a really crazy photo too really yeah what? Of, of of the this object, object with a bunch of like searchlights on it, and they were trying to shoot this bitch
0: down. I feel like for some reason, some of those older uh like the older reports to me are for some reason more credible because flight was like a rarer thing. Like there mm-hmm. weren't a shitload of helicopters around. There weren't any drones. Like Right. There shouldn't you know, have been
1: as much up there to
0: begin with. Yeah, just gen you know, I I mean, again, I know those things existed. Yeah, mm-hmm. there were flares and stuff like that too, but just generally the volume of them seems to be like it would just there just wouldn't be much shit in the sky in general. So yeah.
1: we still gotta do the uh <clears throat> 1890s airship thing sometime yeah we'll talk about
0: airships more later I think that uh, very much fits with that damn is this a real photo yes All right, we should put this on the website okay yeah just google battle of Los Angeles and there's like a history channel photo of no this can't be real is this for real yes dude (laughs) whoa this is on history.com a Los Angeles Times photo of searchlights in the skies during the air raid Mm mhm there are like legit two, four, six, eight, not like ten plus searchlights on what very much so looks like a fucking flying saucer. And
1: that they spent fourteen hundred rounds on and didn't do shit to it and killed five civilians instead. Wow, this is fucking wild. Yeah. Go so give that Google. Um 1947 was Roswell. I'm not gonna really spend time on that. If you don't know about Roswell, There are other people who can give you a way better description of it than I'll be able to. And then what really kicked off the whole abduction wave was in 1961, Betty and Barney Hill. You familiar with that one? No. Really? Damn, dude.
0: Benny? Barney and Betty Hill. Oh, Betty Hill. Not Benny Hill as in the... No. (laughs) (laughs) Insert insert Benny Hill theme song here. So
1: they... Uh, allegedly were abducted by aliens in 1961 and it's the first like widely publicized alien abduction. 61? Mm-hmm. So they did, I mean, there were there were news reports, they did interviews, they did like a press, uh, not tour, but like they were open to talk to TV and radio and press about it and did frequently. Um, So they... Yeah, they were driving home and saw this weird light come up and over them and they pulled off to the side of the road cuz they felt like it was following them and didn't know what it was. Where is this? This was in uh new uh no, New Hampshire. New Hampshire. And they were yeah, they were on like this rural highway and they pull over and they're both kind of scared cuz they don't know what's going on. This thing seems to be following them, but they don't know what it is. And Barney opens up the trunk to get his gun out cuz Don't make me pop the trunk. <laughs> barney goes to pop the trunk Uh and then they remember being back on the road driving home oh wow so it kind of i mean that's now a trope in alien abduction ufo encounters but they they experienced the whole missing time thing where they remember pulling over getting out and then instantly being back on the road driving home they drove home realized that they were missing a big chunk of time and couldn't remember what had happened or what they were doing. Right. And if they had been driving the whole time they should have been home earlier all this stuff. Oh sure, yeah. Um and then later started recalling more of the story said so they were taken aboard a spaceship um that they were subjected to weird medical experiments. Um a lot of it being sexual and reproductive in nature. Um they went through hypnosis to try and remember more of what had happened. So, in a lot of ways, it was, uh, there are many, many abduction stories now that sort of mirror, for whatever reason, what they experienced. Right. Or what they claim to have experienced with, like, the medical examinations, the weird, like, sexual preoccupation. Right. The missing time, the the hypnosis, the hypnotic regression aspect to remember more of what had happened. Right. So that was the first time that any of those things were out in the public and being reported on. Yep. Um, Betty also claims that they showed her a star map of where they were from. Star maps! Get your star maps! And uh, that they pointed to, and she was able to recreate a a drawing of what they had shown her. Oh. And um, an astronomer identified the star that they had pointed to as Zeta Reticuli. So that's that also popularized that being like sort of a sci-fi trope that that's where aliens are from, and it's a somewhat near to us star. That's good that she identified as somewhat
0: near to us star. Would have been right weirder. Well, I guess it wouldn't have been weird. And like,
1: I mean, that that information was available, but probably not super easy to track down in 1961. I don't know. No internet. Yeah, I mean, you could probably go to the library and find a find a star map in a book somewhere. I don't know. Explain it to me. Well, I I can't <laughs> unidentified. Um, yeah, and they they stuck to
0: their story forever, and that was uh, never. Uh, Twenty years later, yeah, we thought it'd be fun to, nope, prank the world. No, and they had they had kind of
1: a bad time of it too. And they're actually I'm not gonna play them because they're kind of disturbing. But there there is audio of them going through hypnotic regression and like talking about what happened. Yeah, but and like screaming and crying and being terrified and like it was a,
0: a very negative experience for them Ugh, yikes. Mm-hmm. i do find that um it seems like from the stories that i did research the older ones seem to be like less cool like both from the outcome after the fact as well as like the actual Experiences themselves that people have—they like seem to be Less generally cool, meaning like like generally a more negative experience. Okay. Whereas like not until later, I feel like in the '90s and stuff, was it like yeah, we like hung out well, with like the aliens and it was like cool. There, there was definitely what uh,
1: they were called the contactees rather than the abductees. Uh-huh. So in the
0: '60s, especially. There were some people in the room at MUFON who self-identified as that. Exactly. For, for the record.
1: So I think you can draw a distinction between, and many people do, between abductees, people who are taken against their will and have these negative experiences where they're subjected to terrible things. And people who like go hang out with aliens. And the contactees <laughs> where, yeah. Cool. Where people who go have these really positive, enlightening, spiritual experiences. They go willingly. It's um, it's an enjoyable, enlightening experience Mm. um which also strongly correlates to like the late 60s early 70s right right sort of the hippie era there there were a lot of message people would come back with messages of like mother earth is dying and we need to take better care of her and we're all in this together and so like I don't know. I think you could chalk a lot of it up to just sort of the culture at the time. Sure. Um, and it was, you know, we were exploring space for the first time right, and right. all these things kind of sort of nicely aligned to point to maybe people just telling stories. Yeah. Yeah. Um But yeah, you could you could definitely draw a distinction between the contactees and the abductees, sure. so to speak.
0: Makes sense. Makes sense.
1: Um, but yeah, Betty and Barney Hill were the first abductees taken and having horrible things done to them against
0: their will yikes uh-huh. no gracias yes uh-uh. <laughs> see a dude like big mike who had a history with mufon he was he was playing flashlight games until that one started coming towards him and he was like but we don't know what his experience was either that's that's the that's, that's the worst part True. We don't know if he had a good experience or not with the aliens. Well, based on the fact that he ran inside and slammed the door and started praying. But I, that was
1: before he even saw them. That he just was scared because of the one
0: the one ship. That's true. But still, if 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 I'd had a good experience, I'd be like, "You guys, come hang out with me." I
1: Okay, so just getting to our actual question for a second. Yeah, yeah. If you saw a UFO, oh man, do you okay say let's let's first say we'll go through the different the different scales say you saw a craft in the sky that you couldn't identify or explain either because it, it wasn't the shape of you know a plane or a drone or a helicopter or because it moved in a, in a way that they shouldn't be able to or whatever yeah you were, yeah. You were like that's not something weird a thing that I can identify sure
0: what do you do I mean I think my I think my initial inclination would 100% be to follow it or try to track it, like try to not lose sight of it. Okay. And just for as long as possible. Yeah, like just to like, gather information. Probably probably to a pretty ridiculous scale. Like I I'd probably I'd be like, "Well, now this is my day." <laughs> like yeah. for hours if need be, if not more. Cuz yeah. I would be like it's, I mean, it's like seeing a unicorn, you know, you're like, I don't know how long this is going to last or if it'll ever happen again or what the fuck I'm actually seeing. So I'm going to indulge in it as far as, as, as far as, as far as is necessary. Yeah. yeah. And then the other thing I would do is I would document, I think, I think those would be my initial two inclinations,
1: photo, video,
0: photo, whatever, video, anything I could do to like get a better, you know, cause like one of the things, other witnesses, if possible, yeah, for sure. Yell up, yo, hey, does everybody else see this? Because mm-hmm. I do think one of the one of the things about a lot of the documentation stuff that was interesting when I was looking into some of this stuff as well is how many people use the documentation to rule things out or rule things in, as in, like, yeah. like there are a lot of experts who will go, no, that looks exactly like... Uh, X, Y, or Z blimp from, you know, from a mile and a half away. And yeah, those look kind of weird because it's moving slow and depending on it moving closer towards you or vertically or whatever it can make weird motions that don't look like airplanes. Mm-hmm. And yes, there are blinking lights because blimps are how supposed to have blinking lights but from far away they can look really weird and not like blimps. But like based on some sort of documentation you can rule things in and out. And I feel like There's... I would want that from my personal experience yeah. for people to go... Oh, that was definitely this, or to have people go, well, we checked like nine boxes, and it's none of those nine boxes, so we don't really fucking know what you saw. Yeah,
1: There's a lot of people out there, a lot of confirmation (laughs) bias going on with a lot of people, too. Sure. Of Like, I have an opinion about what I think UFOs are, and therefore I'm going to look for evidence
0: that supports that or doesn't support it. Totally. That's why I really like that Chilean Navy case that I'm going to talk about a little bit later is just because— They got video, like nine minutes worth of military video, and the country released it after two years being like, yeah, we pretty much had like every expert we can possibly find to look at this, and nobody has an explanation for it either direction, so we're going to let you guys think about it. Right, which is like, yeah,
1: that's a very reasonable response. All right, second kind. If you, uh, there's a great example of second kind, by the way. Yeah. The Rendlesham Forest incident. Which I think overall is probably one of the best UFO cases ever.
0: Is this the military base in the, U- In the UK, yeah, it's American. Yeah. Mili-
1: uh, I think Air Force Base in the UK. Multiple people saw these things over multiple nights. Yep, there are a bunch of different records of it. Um,
0: there is. Hold on one second. I was going to say. I think
1: I have a book about it.
0: I'm pretty sure there's a book in here about it because I think the first time. I think the first time that I saw it was in this book, and then I hopped on Wikipedia like later that week and read more about it and was like, "What?" Yeah, so there's uh,
1: there's a really great book, a really thorough account of this whole thing written by Nick Pope, um, along with two of the guys who actually witnessed it, like so, were physically present. Yeah, so two of the Air Force guys who were there and were the two primary witnesses, along with Nick Pope, who's a f- Former UK defense somebody. Ministry yeah, guy. Uh, wrote this book together called Encounter at in Rendlesham Forest. Um, It's just so detailed and there's so many people that experienced it. Yeah. And they're all credible people. They all right. have a lot of experience identifying, you know, they're on an Air Force base. They should right. know what's going on in the sky and right. around them. And how um, things that are up there move or don't move or. And there were, there were, this is, I brought it up cause there's one that there, it's one that has a lot of physical evidence uh-huh. along with it. Um, they saw something land. Yep. They, it, there were depressions in the ground where it landed. There was a, uh, there were raised levels of radiation in the area where it landed. It like scraped and broke tree branches and stuff as it landed and took off. Um, didn't one of the
0: guys who actually saw it like see like the outside of the UFO didn't he say there was like symbols on it or something like that yeah so
1: they they saw the outside of this craft and they said it had like uh, characters or hieroglyphic looking writing on it but it was like indistinguishable right it wasn't Mm -hmm. and this is the the story too where that same guy I think it was uh, John Burroughs touched the craft that's right and got the transfer of information. He said he was like flooded with ones and zeros of binary and was able to recall it later. And like they actually, I, I forget what it said, but they actually translated the binary that he allegedly got from touching the outside of this UFO Whoa. on an Air Force base Whoa. in the UK. Wow. So... Say you're one of those guys.
0: I'm one of those guys who had that experience.
1: You, you walked out in the woods and you saw a UFO up close. You touched it. You The next day saw physical traces mm-hmm. of it in that same location. So you're, you can rule out hallucinating. You can rule out dreaming. You can rule out
0: a whole bunch of stuff. Yeah, I'm I'm very heavily reminded right now of one of our earlier episodes we did with Mason. It was I think it was the what if it really happened yeah. episode where we were talking about ghosts or whatever and he was like <laughs> I remember Mason being like I would stop paying taxes. <laughs> I would never work a job again. Like he was he was f- freaking out being like it would change everything. everything. And these
1: these escalate really quickly for me cuz the first one I can write that off as like, that's a drone or that's, yeah. Uh, I, the, there's something I'm not aware of. It's a military aircraft. It's, I can allow that to be unknown. I don't that know. That doesn't change my entire way that I view life. Yeah,
0: <laughs> that I interpret the universe. I think if I get to number two, it does. Oh, 100%. 100%. I mean, the only, the to me at that point, so and we can we can go through this at some point too, but like, you know, I, I I enjoy the list of these are things that are commonly seen as UFOs that don't have good explanations, but could be whatever. And and a very obvious one of those is that it's military technology that is unacknowledged, doesn't you know, isn't talked about. Whatever. The only thing I would have in my brain is like, did I see? Some fucking nuclear powered fighter jet, the that, next b two bomber, yeah, but like, but is, you know, from some black ops, whatever, whatever that like not even the air Force knows about. But even that to me would be so hard to, like wrap my head around. Mm-hmm. I feel like I feel like it would change everything. I mean, again, I think I would try to document it. I would probably do what those dudes did. I would try to write a book. Tell everyone about it. Yeah, tell the story. I mean, that's so
1: hard too, though, because and it gets harder the further you go down this list of even trying to tell other people about it. Completely, because no, most people aren't going to believe you. Most people are going to assume that you're crazy or hallucinating at at the very least. Yep. Uh, I mean, that can mess up friendships. Family work your yeah. whole life. Like, and now do you really want to be the UFO guy? I mean because you are the UFO guy if you start telling people about it. Fam, we're already the UFO guy. I'm just saying, you're <laughs> you don't come back from writing a book about your UFO encounter. You're no, that's you who you are now.
0: You definitely don't. But I but I do feel like um I don't know. There's like a level of urgency that I hear some of the first hand account people express, like Big Mike, where it's just very like Very authentic and personal. That's that's what really
1: got me about his story. was like, even as a guy who obviously spends a lot of time thinking and talking and reading and listening about this topic, he still came in there like, I don't know what to do other than to, to share this with you guys. For sure. And I think I'm sharing it mostly just so I'm not the only one. It's like when you, you smell something horrible and you're like, oh my God, smell this. Just like, so that someone else is experiencing it yeah, sort of yeah, by yeah. proxy right. of like, it, it struck me as he just needed to tell somebody about it. Definitely. And that was a room that wasn't going to judge him. Definitely.
0: And there were, and two, there was, I, I'll, I'll get back to the original proposition of what would you actually do? But there was, there was another element to his story that, and not his story, but I guess like the way that he told it, that was just, um. It was so specific. Like, you know how, you know how when someone's making up a lie on the spot to you, you just kind of tip your head and go, like, this, this kind of feels like this is coming out of a, an empty place inside your head. Mm-hmm. There was a level of like specificity to some of the things he was saying where I was like, damn, like, he was like, and then this one over here is doing this thing. And and, I don't know. It just, it didn't seem like it was coming from sort of some sort of like vacant hole. It didn't come off rehearsed. It just seemed like he was like, I have this crystalline fucking videotape in my head of like what happened that night. And I can point to the, you know, the locations and the things that happened. Yeah. But
1: there were also moments of
0: like, Oh, now that I'm saying this out loud,
1: like the timeline was weird or, I'm not sure what happened there or whatever that, that made it more believable too. Totally, And like, yeah, I, I think I would have a similar reaction of just like, I don't, I don't know, but I, I gotta tell somebody. Right.
0: If nothing else, just to like get it out of my own head a little bit. For sure. I, yeah, I think you got to get it out of your own head, but I also just like, I totally agree with you. I don't think anybody wants to be the dude who's like, who's like the UFO evangelist, who's like going right. going to all their family well, and friends and being like, I don't know. I mean, for aliens are real. Like, no, I don't know. For some reason, and
1: probably a variety of reasons, everybody in that room has kind of made that choice. You're going to, you're a member of a UFO group.
0: Yeah, but I you guess. You go to
1: monthly meetings.
0: I mean, but like you and I went in a way of like, this is like fascinating and curious and interesting. And. I guess I'm saying the people that like, dedicate their time
1: to going out and researching and
0: yeah, organizing these yeah.
1: groups and being, like, founding members they're, of chapters. They're and, committed. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah, I don't know, man. I try that, to make some money off it. That's what the fuck I do. <laughs> that's what the fuck I do. But then you, you can't do that because then you— 'Cause then you look like you're trying to make money off it well, and it didn't really happen.
1: And then I think you're doing a disservice to people that have other people that have these experiences. You're making them even less credible than they already are. Because now I'm gonna see, oh, this guy has a motivation. Like with Greer. I think yeah. he has a motivation to make money off of what he's doing it, and to call attention to himself and to feed his ego off of what he's doing. It does appear which that way. then I don't know what the word is delegitimizes or whatever. No, that's right. Is that a word? Mm-hmm. Delegitimizes the entire field and right. everyone else that has these actual experiences no that's true because somebody's out here trying you know charging 10 grand to take you out in the desert and give you night vision goggles the weird thing
0: though, the w- <clears throat> the weird thing about him though is like he he has never claimed to have a personal like abduction he's right. just like I'm the expert right which maybe which makes it way shadier to me yeah that he he separates himself from the yeah well and yeah it just seems like you're
1: almost I don't, it puts you in a position to like prey on other people almost. True, true. because then people who have had these experiences are going to see you as like, oh, good, you understand. You're somebody like you can help me. Yeah, yeah,
0: exactly. So third, uh, the third kind is that I high fived an alien. Um, no. Third is that you saw an alien, like a physical being. Yeah, that was not just physical evidence of there being like a craft near me yeah I met an alien bro dude
1: I I met an alien life gets so
0: fucking weird from that moment on I mean right yeah a hundred percent dude I bro sometimes I watch those NASA camera feeds of like some weird shit happening out in space like around the ISS and I'm like oh man I I feel kind of weird right now like
1: that that level is for sure the point for me where everything else stops that yeah. is what I'm doing now. Is figuring this out or at least like you, there would be so much processing I would have to do to even get back to a point where I could go like about normal stuff. Yeah. yeah.
0: I do find That's it, the one that for sure
1: changes everything.
0: That's real. I can fuck with that take. I I like the um I like the inclusion of there being like humanoid creatures involved.
1: Well, I in what will probably be a, be a part two now, because we're already at least an hour into this.
0: Yeah, and um, I have and I have a story to tell, and you have some other ones too. We yeah, might have to part two it. I, I would like to tell you in part two about the beautiful blonde
1: haired space tutors. Oh, buddy! Or what some people call the Nordics, because there there are uh, very human looking alien reports too.
0: Oh, buddy! So I, I would
1: guess that's to cover all that shit.
0: Um. Word. Should we go through the rest of the kinds? Well, there's really just fourth left, oh, yeah. which is Why being is abducted,
1: which I think is. I mean, it it's the same as three, like plus PTSD, and now I need a therapist.
0: I think I would need a therapist after three for sure. I would doubly need one after four. Yeah, but like, I
1: mean, if you're like if you're poking around in my nose or my butt or stuff, or oof, I, I've seen the inside oof, of a spaceship. Oof. I. I'm going to need a lot of help working through that one. And I'm probably going to fail anyway.
0: Oopa dupa, That is not, (laughs) that is not, uh, man, I don't even, I I think that one,
1: like 90% of the time would push you off the deep end.
0: You said you wanted to go though. Yeah. But you could never come back.
1: No, probably not.
0: You'd have to be like, this is my life now. You got to start, you got to start a new guardians of the galaxy. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> oh my god you are you would be you'd be you'd be like the the fucking star lord uh, sure you don't watch those i'm movies? not that familiar no Uh-oh. sorry all right well there's two movies i've seen it you haven't done both of the guardians movies well you need to watch the close encounters so i whatever. do i do all right so i think what we'll do for this week is we'll break i'll i'll make spencer watch the guardians movie spencer will make me watch close encounters hell yeah and we'll come back. We'll finish up a part two. We have um we have a bunch of hella interesting stories. So I wanna talk about praying mantis aliens. Whoa. Fifteen
1: foot tall praying mantis aliens. Whoa. And the beautiful blonde haired space tutors. Okay,
0: dope. And I'm gonna um I'm gonna talk about some of the more uh famed and credible ones on top of what Spencer's already talked about that are a little bit more recent, uh, as well as we'll go through that checklist of things that Potentially can account for uh, some of those lights in the sky. So that'll be part two of What If You Saw a UFO.
1: And uh, if you want to join us at the next MUFON meeting, yeah. hit us up on Twitter or something and maybe we can carpool.
0: Yeah, at What If Pod or uh, hi at whatifpodcast.com. Um, and if you're
1: not in Minnesota, I bet your state also has them. Totally. So check it should, out. You should look into that. Mufan.org, I believe, is their website. Do some googling. Hit the Googler, and we'll uh, we'll see you next Tuesday. All
0: right, guys, we'll see you next week. bye. bye. We'll be back next week with another episode of the What If Podcast.